This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. And I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we take the piss and debunk music fan stereotypes. Because let's be honest, fangirls know about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. So this week, we are very excited to be talking about One Direction. This makes a lot of sense after our last two episodes talking about the fangirl stigma, because... Sarah and I were both huge One Direction fans. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, this is like the biggest example of One Direction and fangirldom and how how boy bands are treated in the media and all that. So we are very excited to dive into this two or maybe three part series uh, all about One Direction. And there's a lot to cover, so we could probably revisit this in the future, too. I think that One Direction is going to be a topic that comes up at least every couple of months because, like, we can't avoid it. And I mean, the main topic that we have decided after, like, much discussion of, like, what we're going to talk about is we thought it would be smartest, especially off the back of our fangirl episodes, to, like, dissect the sharp change in the media's way of handling the members of One Direction as a collective boy band and then in comparison comparison to how they're spoken to and spoken about once they became solo artists. And in today's episode, we're focusing mainly on like the media's response to Zayn leaving the band, and then obviously the hiatus that quickly followed his seemingly abrupt departure from the group. And then the following week, we're going to be going more deep on the subject and talking about the four remaining members, and also comparing like how they talk about One Direction now to how Zayn talks about One Direction now, but also how the interviewers continue to kind of go off the spreadsheet that modest management gave them of like what the members' personalities are. So I think the most important way to start this off is to just give like a baseline of how media handled the boys when they were in the band. Because I mean, they did tons of interviews and they were spoken to and spoken about in like different ways, but there was always like the underlying like, oh, girls are crazy about them. Like this is insane, that whole thing. And I mean, they were the first boy band really to be successful since like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. So it was just like a very, I think it was like a very exciting time, but also a very weird time, especially of being like a music journalist, because I don't think anybody was ever really prepared for boy bands to like make a comeback in the way that they did with One Direction, even though it was like basically a singular, singular boy band. But in 2013, which was like a year after they first came to America, really, and they have this like infamous GQ interview that GQ likes to, to mention in any time that they interview any of the boys as like the interview that caused them to get death threats. And the writer of this piece is a man named Jonathan Heath. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but honestly, he does not deserve my respect at the very given moment. And I mean, I I triggered myself reading this story because I remember reading it 
seven years ago but rereading something that like you're like okay I'm like a grown-up now I'm gonna be fine and like not being fine was like a very very weird (laughs) very weird situation for me I mean Jenna did you read it yeah I I got like halfway through it because it was super long but it was very patronizing towards fangirls it was just like shitting on them every opportunity they had and then um, the part where he, like, prefaces the interview, he, like, says explicitly, like, what he's not allowed to talk about and, like, how he wanted to interview each of them individually. And that was vetoed by management. Yeah. I mean, that was, like, the one thing that really stuck out to me is, like, this this journalist is taking every opportunity he can to explain what the problem is, whether it be with the boys, with their management, or just, like, with their fans. I don't like when male journalists feel the need to like shit on something that girls love just to make them feel mm-hmm. like more macho like I don't I don't get yeah. it yeah no I agree and there was like a very specific description that he has of the fangirls that I was just not a fan of after all by now we all know the immense transformative power of a boy band to turn butter wouldn't melt teenage girl into a rabid knicker wedding banshee who will tear off her own ears in hysterical fever when presented with the objects of her fascination so you guys can't see my face right now but it's not a happy one (laughs) hey like everything in this was offensive literally all of it and oh a knicker wedding banshee also that description gross also offensive yeah in all in in all aspects like yeah and i mean multiple times in this article he is just like talking about like talking down to the fans and i just feel like it's stupid because again like if you go to like a show that has predominantly male fans they're reacting in a very similar way it's just a lower octave and so it's just it's just ridiculous and I mean he's shitting on a bit like this was the tour that I went to in England which I mentioned like in our fangirl episodes they played six days at the O2 in London and that was a matinee and an evening show every day so they sold out 12 shows at the O2 arena over six days and this guy can you imagine playing two shows a day oh my god it was it was insanity how did they have like the bandwidth for that anyways i wish i i wish i knew but i do recall that there were like three atrocious opening acts but yeah so i just think that it's crazy that this man could have the audacity to crap on an artist who sold out literally 12 shows at the o2 arena like six days in a row i just like they literally they had to have matinees because the tickets sold out so fast so whatever but the thing also that I just found really interesting is that like the questions that he did ask them which like honestly so when he's speaking with the boys like in this article which will be linked in our show notes he changes the format from like him writing in his diary about how he hates One Direction to like a Q&A format and so as if to just prove that he actually spoke to them like I don't understand this choice like as a journalist I would never do that um but he very clearly is just not asking them anything important like he asked like Niall and Liam because they were like paired together to speak to this guy he asked them about like oh like are you partying partying a lot like do you have like the opportunity to like drink and like hook up with groupies and Liam's like what do you mean groupies like we barely have time to sleep 
like we're too busy to party and so he's like trying really hard to get them to say something but then after he has like this portion in the article talking to Liam and Niall he then goes on to like interview somebody from Modest Management and also like One Direction's producer and they get more airtime in this article than the boys do and like the the answers like from them are very just like media trained very like yeah like the guys never want to go solo like one direction is they're a hundred percent focus i mean they're one year in their career like of course like that's a, that it just felt like foreshadowing before it was even necessary to be like oh like we have all these plans blah blah and it would be like two and a half years before zane even left so i don't really understand why that was even brought up after that and jenna i'm not sure if you got to this point of the article or not but after that point he then goes on to like describe harry styles as like the sexy womanizer front man of this group for like four paragraphs before he actually even brings in that he talks to harry i did not uh see his like uh description of harry but like the q a with him is so disturbing he's just like questioning his sexuality the entire time mm -hmm. he's like asking if he's bisexual he's asking his body count like ridiculous stuff like harry does not have to answer this and harry's only like 19 at this point like this is so disturbing that like the media and like this person in particular is just trying to like drive this narrative that harry's like a like a womanizer or like a sexual being i don't have words for this yeah it's so, so it's upsetting just, it's just like a big mess and he is like trying to be like oh like have you slept with a hundred girls and harry's like stop trying like you're cornering me like this whole thing and like he's like no i haven't and then he's like oh like well 50 and he's like no and then he's like 30 and harry's like no and he's like well then how many is it like why don't you tell me and harry's like well this isn't fair like you've you've gotten me into a corner now like i've only slept with two people and the guy's like i i'm sure you're lying like that's not that can possibly be true and it's just like I don't know it just it really frustrates me and I just feel like yes there are better interviews to be discussing but I just think that bringing up the worst possible One Direction interview to continue on to a conversation about how the media completely changed like their style of talking to them is really pertinent and important because i mean zane and louis are like an afterthought in this piece it's like they're being treated as items and like shiny toys and not as real human beings with any depth yeah and I like mean, they're just trying to they're just asking questions to get like some of the questions are boring first off and then the ones with harry they're like obviously just trying to get like a shocker answer out of him yeah and I mean, like, right now I'm scrolling through this article and it's literally, like, the longest scroll I've ever done. But after this, like, weird back and forth with Harry of this guy trying to get Harry to admit, like, that he's lying about only sleeping with two people at the age of, like, 19 years old, he's like, oh, like, Zane and Louie come in and they, like, interrupt everything once I've, like, finally gotten Harry to, like, come out of his shell and, like, you can tell, like, he's ambitious and, like, all this stuff. And then 
he like mentions how he like tried to talk to Zane about being like his Muslim upbringing and he's like oh like I don't like talking about religion and the guy like again is pushing him and it's like I understand like again as somebody who does journalism I understand pushing to try and get an answer but it's like when people are young and you should be aware like this man is a music journalist like he should know what their management is like like you should just be aware when somebody's like no just to stop pushing like I just don't I don't understand it but then I mean his questions to Zane and Louis are very much like what's the last record that you bought like who like who's your favorite artist like how do you think One Direction is going to be remembered and it's like I'm sure he spoke to them longer but just the just the choices that he made of what to include in this interview prove that he's not taking this band seriously which is rude one Direction is a prime example of how crappily you're treated when your fan base is like adoring girls and it's still like sexualizing them when I mean as somebody who is a major One Direction fan and I'm sure Jenna you can agree with this like it was never a hundred percent about sexualization I mean honestly for me other than Louie who's my age like I just was like no so like when I was a fan of them they were like approximately the same age as me and like I thought they were cute but like to be honest I didn't think they were that cute yeah (laughs) so like I was I mean it was the whole thing it's it's not just like their looks it's their personalities it's how they are together like Mm -hmm. as a group um and I think that is like a huge draw for for fans I it, it to me it was never I never like really had like a crush on them of like oh I would love to date Harry or anything like that it was more just like the enjoyment of like seeing them together and like how they interacted and how cool and like funny they were and like it it's it's like kind of like when um like at that age especially like individually they weren't that special but then together they were like it was just like took things to a new to another level I think, like, the whole beauty of boy bands has always been that they, like, give you this approachable idea of boys. And so it turns into this thing where you're like, oh, maybe the guy that I have a crush on isn't, like, as, like, gross as I think he might be or whatever. Like, oh, when he's with his friends, he's probably acting like Louis and Zayn act and, like, all that sort of stuff. So it kind of just makes boys in general more accessible when you have these boys, like, One Direction to look up to who make you feel like you're the whole entire world sort of thing yeah but I mean as I said in the beginning um and just to explain better like we could literally do a whole entire podcast about every aspect of One Direction and we're trying really hard not to do that but so almost exactly two and a half years after this horrific GQ article is posted Zane well, the band and Zayn announced that, like, Zayn is leaving the group, which was a sad day for everyone. I mean, just to briefly bring up, like, the statement that was released by the band was very, was very polarizing for a lot of people, mainly because um, Zayn was saying, and I quote, I'm leaving because I want to be a normal 22-year-old who's able to relax and have some private time out of the spotlight. I know I have four friends for life in Louis, Liam, Harry, and Niall, and I know they will continue to be the best band in the world. And so, I mean, he tried, tried to leave on a good point. I mean, I, my, I'm very skewed on my feelings of Zane, but 
I mean, he was tired, and then there was the media response being like, oh, he's, like, been on drugs, and, like, all these horrible rumors that were coming out about, like, in regards to, like, this very, very short statement, um, and, but Zane just, like, went off the air, which I think is what he should have done and what he explained to do, and, but my own personal issue with it was that like not even six months later he's coming out being like i'm making music and i'm like what happened to when he be a normal person in light of talking about gq and how gq likes to handle things i thought it was important to start off our media dissection with gq's interview with zane in 2016 so i mean after Zane left the group in 2015, I mean, he was quiet for a while. And then he went on like a press tour in 2016 in promotion of not only his first solo album, but also the fact that he was um, doing collaborations with like fashion lines. And so just in comparison, and like, obviously this is a different person who spoke to him for GQ for the solo interview. It's a woman. So he was interviewed by a woman named Sarah Ball. So that could also be why it's handled a bit better. Um, But the tone switch is astounding. And so it kind of starts off being like, ooh, the bad boy who left the boy band lifestyle to date models and like make his own hits and like, It's just like, like the sell of this article, like the headline is Zay Malik is so lit right now. So you know, this was written in 2016. And then... The cell goes, quote, when Zayn broke off from One Direction, he immediately started dating supermodels and making hit records of his own. Here he tells us what's next on his rise to the top. So again, this is negating the fact that he did take a break and was somewhat truthful to his initial statement. but it's also so it's also just like okay he was like the mysterious bad boy in the band and now that he's solo nothing is holding him back from being the most mysterious most bad boy out there dating all these supermodels and working with fashion brands and whatever else he's doing yeah so camo pants so even though they're trying to make zane more palatable for the everyday viewer they're still sticking with the like Excel spreadsheet version that modest management gave them to describe the members of One Direction. And so I just think that is ridiculous because also very quickly in the interview, she mentions that Zane is smoking weed, which like, as we all know, like every interview with Zane mostly talks about the fact that he's smoking weed and like how he doesn't share (laughs) like all that nonsense but it's still just this thing where it's like okay we already think of him as a bad boy but it's like he he could they could have allowed him to be like reborn but instead they're still sticking to like the one direction thing anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. 
Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Well, I mean, part of it, it could also be like himself of like, maybe he as a person was always played into this position, into this character role. And because part of the like thing with them going solo is they all had to like figure out who they were as individual humans and not as their identity with one direction. And so part of it is like, okay, he's like, yes, like he's been told he's mysterious. He's been told he's a bad boy. And maybe he just keeps playing into that himself and like, well, out who he is. Well, Gemma. Let's hear it. So Let's in June, in, sorry, in Zane's first solo interview, which was in November of 2015, and it was with Fader, with the Fader magazine, he specifically stated that whenever he would, like, he suggested that there was just a general conception that the management already had for what they wanted for the band and he wasn't convinced with like what they were selling and so they told them basically like what they were supposed to be and so he just kept going along with it i just think that they were like okay like throughout interviews he's not answering questions or whatever and so they just continued on with that like mysterious idea and he was just never allowed to like do anything past that because they were like well we were like aiming you just being the bad boy but now you like don't respond to questions at interviews so now you're mysterious too i think he he plays into it also i think he likes that depiction of himself yeah i mean i think that you get used to it also is the whole thing of like you get used to something like this and i think when you aren't super enjoying like the paparazzi lifestyle that comes along with the fame that he definitely does enjoy um i think that it's really easy to just be like okay i'm gonna continue to try and be as mysterious as possible so that people leave me alone so like i get it i'm not holding it against him in the slightest i just am holding it against like the media because i feel like in every interview even if the story is good it just feels like they already come into it with so many preconceived notions that they're just Mm -hmm. not really trying to let zane let people get to know him yeah i agree and i think like in the next episode when we talk about the other boys um i think they had a lot more self-discovery to do Mm -hmm. um and some of them changed their images much more drastically and had to break down those like character roles that management gave them um so we definitely like talk more about that in our next episode Um, yeah and i think that they're given that chance because they were sort of allowed to create their own narrative given that they collectively chose a hiatus and like somewhat tried to give the fans closure with like a final tour whereas Zane like obviously we don't know what's going on so we don't know how abrupt it is it was but like we surveyed some fans and I mean the general consensus from the girls who filled out our survey was that it was a shock and I remember it being a shock from my own perspective of it and so when you all of a sudden are like okay I'm leaving you don't really have that much time to like create a new image and like rebirth yourself because I mean 
if his intentions, which it clearly were, like his intentions were always to go solo, even though he said that he like didn't want to be in the spotlight anymore. Like you only have so much time before people are just going to be like, oh, now he's just doing it because the rest of the band are making solo music or whatever the case may be. Like there's a small window in the interest of pop culture for somebody who quits a boy band to release stuff and like still have the buzz around them for them not to be like touted as like x one direction member because in most of these interviews they don't refer to him as such it's almost like he because he was the first one to leave he was like this is my own autonomy and i'm doing this and like he wanted to release music first so that he kind of had the upper hand against everyone else of like, and he tried so hard to distance, he, well, not tried, he has distanced himself so much from One Direction. Yeah. And I think the aesthetic is part of that too. Like he's talking about being like grunge in mm-hmm. this um, interview, like his aesthetic. And I think like he was the like the mysterious one within the boy band, but it was still a like a shiny object like the boy band was still a shiny object and so he's just trying to be like the exact opposite of that aesthetic wise yeah and then also with his music I think like we just said it's him wanting like if he's the first one to put out music maybe he can be like well they can take me more seriously because I chose to leave like I chose to distance myself from that I didn't just go along with it like everyone else yeah exactly and in that the fader interview which again is his like first profile post one direction you can tell that he's like trying very hard to like show that he's different from the rest of the boys and i mean he he said that he felt like there was never room for him to like experiment creatively and that um if he was saying a hook or a verse slightly an r&b or that was like slightly like his style it would always be recorded 50 times until there was a straight version that was pop and like super generic so that they'd like have the version that management was happiest with so he like acknowledges that he was trying like he was trying to do something that felt more his style but again like and unfortunately, like when you're in a boy band, like you can't really do that unless there is the understanding of it because boy bands have like this cookie cutter thing that they need to fit in. And unless they're doing what like The Wanted was doing, which was being quote unquote, like a sexy version of One Direction. So like they were older, they like catered to like a different sort of audience in a way. And like they were doing something slightly different in the boy band realm. I'm probably going to get shit on for this, but I personally like The Wanted. If your team is not marketing you as a sexy boy band, like you're not going to get to do sexy things like make a make an R&B style hook, like turn yeah. your vocals into something that is seen more of like a sexualized style of music. So I just think it's really interesting. But I mean, Again, I just like, I continuously trigger myself with these things because I feel like I have repressed memories of stuff and I like just try and remember the good things. But like in this, the Fader interview, like the interviewer asked him like if there were parts of One Direction's music that he enjoyed. He basically is like, fuck no. But like in a nicer way, sort of, but it's like almost worse than saying fuck no because he goes, that's not music that I would listen to. Would you listen to One Direction sat at a party with your girl? I wouldn't. To me, that's not an insult. That's me as a 22-year-old man. As much as I was in that band and I loved everything that we did, that's not music that I would listen to. I don't think that's an offensive statement to make. That's just not who I am. 
if I was sat at a dinner date with a girl, I would play some cool shit. You know what I mean? I want to make music that I think is cool shit. And I don't think that's too much to ask for. So Zane almost 17 times in three sentences explains that One Direction is not cool. Girls should not like them. <laughs> and that boys- But he is cool. But he's cool but because he, he doesn't cool. listen to them. But he doesn't think that and, being, like it's just the most ridiculous thing ever. And he's like, I loved it, but also I hated it. And I'm like, can you just make up yeah. your freaking mind? <laughs> he said, I loved everything we did, but then was like, but the music isn't cool. It's like what? <laughs> I, just... <laughs> it's just like it's the most triggering statement I've ever read in my whole life. But I mean, also like. Dude, girls listen to your band. <laughs> and that's yeah. the thing. It's just like, oh, like if you're sat in a party with your girl, like would they think it's cool if you put on one direction? It's like, yes, they would. <laughs> I don't like, know. I, I don't mean, know personally, I if I was hanging out with a with a boy, like I went to his house and he was just like he had made a playlist for us to like listen to whatever. <laughs> and he put a one like if he put like rock me on his like sex playlist, I'd be like, heck yeah, he's getting it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, maybe in that context, but like I would have to I would like seriously I have to think about this for a minute. Because if it was just like we're just chilling and he has a playlist and like one direction comes on Jaffle, I would lose my mind. I would be like, what the fuck? And then like also be mortified and also be low-key embarrassed. And then also be like, are you doing this because you were into One Direction or because you think I'm into One Direction? I would just like be analyzing I think would... so much that no, I, keep... I, like I couldn't do it. I would <laughs> I be hysterical. It... I'd be like, this is a turn off. Like this, I would be turned off. Like really, <laughs> I, I think it would depend on what the song is. Like if he put like one thing on it, I'd be like, he's just trying to impress me. But if he put like no control, I'd be like, this man has taste, and he knows what he's doing. <laughs> I, I would just not be able to take the situation seriously. I seriously would lose it and just be like, Whoa. oh my god, that's so. We funny. need to reconvene another would, time. I, would like, <laughs> I wouldn't really... be able to do it. I'd be so impressed. I would just, like, if it was a good, like, if it was, like, a song that was unexpected, if it was a song that, like, he's clearly trying to, like, cater because he's, like, stalked my Instagram or, like, Twitter, I'd be like, Ugh. no guy's ever just gonna put on One Direction's discography. I don't expect that to happen. I do expect No Control to be on every man's playlist of songs that make them happy. But, oh my again, okay. that's just because just Louis other... Tomlinson lives rent-free in my mind. In, in more news of Zane saying dumb stuff about One Direction for absolutely no reason, we come to the infamous Zane Lowe Beats One interview. And he says this flippin' nonsense. Jenna, would you like to take it from here? <laughs> I'll take the honors. Quote, I think I always kind of wanted to go from like the first year, really. I never really wanted to be there in the band. I just gave it a go because it was there at the time. And then I realized the direction we were going in with the music I instantly I instantly realized it wasn't for me because I realized I couldn't put any in, or I couldn't put any input in I couldn't give my opinion on this or that because I didn't fit the grain of what we were going for as a band or what we represented um so that's when it became frustrating for me that's when I had to be like I've got to start thinking about myself one year into this one single year into this and he was like a baby teenage boy and I was like, think, nah, but I'm going to chill in here for four more years. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't makes, add up. It makes zero sense. But also, I just, my 
a thing about Zane is that I think that Zane takes being from like a council flat in Bradford very seriously and is like, oh, if the boys back home don't take me seriously, then I'm screwed forever. And it's like, yes, eh, that's stupid. And like, if the boys from home loved you, they would still love One Direction because One Direction makes bops. But I think also he just, he very clearly was trying to be cool and I understand like I'm I can't at this point in my life I can't be mad at Zane for saying what he said when he first left because I think he was being told probably by his team like distance yourself distance yourself distance yourself and so they were like you already have this like bad boy persona if you say these kind of mean things your fans will be upset but they'll be like well he is a bad boy and they'll kind of just live with it which I think a lot of people kind of did but also people were upset like people were very upset I don't know huh like I don't know like was this management telling him to say stuff like this to distance himself or was this himself being like well I'm sure it was just himself being a twat but I mean I'm sure that at some like when management saw that automatically when he left the the people of media were already being like obviously like he's been the bad boy this whole time like of course he's gonna leave or whatever they were saying I think they were kind of like just own it and I think that he took that and ran with it because I'm sure he already had these like opinions of being like I'm too good for this like I'm too cool for this like my music taste is better than what One Direction is and I mean like yeah just coming completely out of left field but I just mean as a person who grew up listening to pop punk music and like the Warped Tour type of music, I just remember that I used to like this band called the Somerset who were like not that great of a band, but at the time I thought they were great. And one of the guys in the band, Steven Gomez, like later on was kind of like, I mean, we weren't making music we listened to. We were making music that at the time was cool. And so I can understand being in a band and hating the music you're making and just making music because why not? Or also because, like, your friends like that kind of music. But it's, like, when you're, you like, Zayn knows what a boy band is. Like, it's not the same thing of, like, starting a pop punk band and then realizing a little while in that you don't like neon emo or whatever the hell it's called. Like, a boy band is a boy band is a boy band. Like, yeah. no matter when they existed in history. So the second yeah. he was put in a boy band, if he knew that there wasn't going to be a chance of being boys to men... He should have been like, nah, not for me, mate. Yeah. I'm now I'm like wondering like his like what were his thoughts when One Direction was formed? I feel like he had to have been like, well, I guess we'll give it a go. And then like didn't know they were gonna get locked into a five year contract. And like it's kind of like one of those things, it's like joining a cult. <laughs> Well, yeah it's like every it's like every step is like a little step further a little step further and then like you're years into this contract and you're like well shit I don't want to be doing this yeah and but like I get it because I mean they were young they had no music industry experience like they don't know that Sony is known for signing bands on five-year contracts that don't have an end date so they're like unaware and they're just excited because they go from being literal nobodies to being blasted headfirst into fame so I understand like I'm not I I just get angry about it because I just don't like when people crap on things that make them famous or give them the platform that they have I just think it's really unnecessary and hurtful to people who are still paying your bills I'm gonna like switch gears a little bit thinking about 
all of the horrendous stuff he said about 1D since and like mm-hmm. just being like I absolutely hate like at the beginning he was like yeah I liked it but now I'm doing my own thing and then mm-hmm. like as time went on he just stopped saying nice things and was only saying mean things yeah um and was just like I have no friends from from those days and then we discussed this like cannot believe he can say that and then like also the media painting him and Harry as enemies yeah also not true like if you see the videos of them like interviews videos of them backstage all of that stuff like they were friends like there's no denying that yeah Um, and I mean obviously like we don't know what was going on behind closed doors and all that stuff but I mean there have been interviews with other of the guys especially Liam because Liam seems to be the one who the most doesn't skirt around the topic like all of the guys will talk about how they loved being in One Direction, but, like, Liam will fully do a whole interview about One Direction still. Um, and recently, he it was brought up how Zayn said in the 2018 Vogue interview that, like, interview that, like, he and Harry, or, like, I don't think he said that he and Harry weren't friends, but Vogue was, like, it's no secret, even when touring together, Zayn and Harry Styles had little to do with one another as possible. And though he was pally enough with the rest of the boys, they're no longer in touch. Like, shut up, Vogue. But, like, Liam was just, like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I obviously, and he even said, like, he doesn't know what's going on behind closed doors, but he was, like, it never seemed like nobody, that people weren't friends. Like, and in my opinion, like, there's always levels of friendship. But, I mean, Jenna and I spent, like, a whole night re-watching, like, videos, like, interviews and just videos of them goofing around. And I just was, like, I would never, like, remember when they did that video, which we already watched, but they did that, um, video where they're dancing to that Jason Derulo song and it's like yes. the best thing ever but it's like literally Harry and Zayn have like a freaking choreographed dance to a Jason Derulo song like you're telling me that they're not friends like yeah shut up Zayn <laughs> yeah shut up Zayn I feel like at the time when he joined One Direction and they were on X Factor like he was just going along with it because that's what was happening at the time but like he had to like he had to have been enjoying that like there's no, because if he wasn't at that point, there's no reason why they would have gotten to a contract after I, X Factor. Yeah. And like, I'm just confused because, again, in this Vogue interview, Zane says that like he hasn't spoken to them for a long time. And he's like, well, that's just the way it is. And then he goes, there's things that happen and things that were said after I left, snide things, small things I could never have expected. And I'm not 100% sure what he's talking about if i'm honest i know that he and louie got into a bit of a tiff on twitter but i mean he and louie were like best friends and then and like one direction meant a lot to louie and so for for zane to leave and to like shit on them and like not keep in contact with somebody who was his like very good friend like clearly very good friend like i think that louie had every right to like make comments about it well, that, so I don't know if their tiff was before or after at the same kind of like in coordination with this when Louis was doing his solo performance on, was it X Factor? Yeah, Louis did, he was a judge and it was like, it was like three days after his mom died. Yeah, his mom had passed and he was like supposed to do this like solo performance on the show and like all the other boys showed up and like support for him and Zane did not show up. Yeah. And I think that's like really like gut-wrenching. Like I can't even imagine like how he felt like with yeah. saying not showing up for that because like, and that wasn't that wasn't like in 2016 wasn't it he died in 2016 so yeah it was really recent so they would have still supposedly like, they sh- still should have been friends yeah it wasn't even a year after zane left 
And I mean, and that's the thing is it's like, I have people who were really, really close to me in my life who are no longer my close friends, but I know if something terrible happened and I called them because I was like, you've been my friend for like, like we've known each other for like a decade plus. I know that they would do whatever they could to be there for me. And so just for, for people who have been through such a crazy experience together for someone not to like publicly show up for somebody who public facing at least seemed to be one of their closest friends I think that that's crappy and I think for then Zane to continuously in interviews like crap on One Direction and all this sort of stuff I just don't think that it was the best way to go about things but yeah so Zane's uh, public persona is something that is just it's just very interesting and very confusing I think because I just feel like there was this persona that management sort of gave him and he sort of leaned into and then was kind of like I didn't mean to lean into it they just told me to but then he's like continuing to lean into it and I mean it's just a weird scenario and then on the coattails of like Zane leaving they announced the hiatus two days after um the drag me down video came out which was the first single post Zane I mean just to briefly mention like in Harry Styles first solo interview with Rolling Stone in 2017 he said that in 2014 he was the first person to bring up like One Direction possibly taking a break and he said like I didn't want to exhaust our fan base if you're short-sighted you can think let's just keep touring but we all thought too much of the group then to let that happen you realize you're exhausted and you don't want to drain people's belief in you so the conversation of the group going on hiatus happened before Zane was like I'm too tired to leave I mean, to continue doing this. So, like, it was in his head already that he knew that it was probably going to be coming to a close. So I just think his choice to be like, peace out, was a bit questionable. I think from the fan side, I felt, I think we all expected it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we knew Zayn definitely wasn't into stuff. Like, the, I, I was, when we were doing research, I just saw, like, a, 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 a review of like a concert also saying like it was like two months before Zayn had like was announcing he left and it was obvious like he was just like rolling his eyes and he was like not happy to be there and like we mm-hmm. saw that in, in interviews and stuff like that um and so I think we all knew we knew he wasn't like stoked to be there anymore but I mm-hmm. think we were surprised by his decision to actually leave early but I do want to bring up the point of the um fans that filled out our survey mm-hmm. um and kind of like what they thought of him leaving and it seemed like the consensus was as i said like everyone knew this was kind of coming in a way yeah. um and nobody uh, everyone we said like interviewed or talked uh, filled out this survey said like um they don't blame him for leaving because it yeah. was clear that like he was in a bad place. Like he was not happy to be there anymore. Um, and yeah, I feel the same way. Like if it was that bad, like I understand why he left. And I think Harry even said this in an interview too. He was like, um, you know, I'm glad he, I just want him to be happy. I'm glad he's doing something that makes him happy. And obviously if he was not happy, if he was so unhappy doing one direction, it's like, okay, it makes sense that he would want to leave early. Yeah. No, definitely. And I, I mean, that's my whole thing. It's like, I would, I never could hold it against Zane for 
choosing to leave like I completely get it I just think that how he handled it once he decided to be like I'm yeah. going solo I think it wasn't the best yeah way to handle things um yeah how he handled it was not awesome yeah and especially him just like turning into like a dick about it and then saying like I don't have any friends from that era and like all of that like walking without a single friend like yeah that hurts and, and i just think that, that like fan level yeah exactly and i just think that like the aftermath of zane leaving and just like announcing it the way that they did and all that and then so quickly the band being like yeah we're going on hiatus um because i think that i mean if you watch interviews once the hiatus is announced you can tell that they're over it and you can tell that they're tired of like interviewers not taking them seriously and continuing to ask them like which member of the band that they would date and like what their favorite like salad dressing is or whatever nonsense these interviewers ask people in boy bands and if you would like to hear more about this you can come back next week because we're going to be dissecting how the rest of the boys were treated in the media once the band was on hiatus and like when they began their solo careers and before we go we have band of the week in 30 seconds or less sarah are you ready three two one you're on okay so my band of this week is inhaler which is a band from dublin ireland and i mean i feel like everyone knows this but the singer's dad is bono from youtube what i <laughs> he, didn't know this you didn't I know this inhaler. oh my god he's bono's son <laughs> oh my god what <laughs> this changes everything anyway the band is really really good <laughs> I don't have a favorite song. My friend Lewis is their photographer and that's how I found out about them. And they're really incredible. Go check them out. My time's up. <laughs> oh my God. What? I thought everyone knew. No. <laughs> how would I know that? I'm just shouting now. Oh my God. Uh, is so um, thanks for joining us, everybody. Come in next week for the rest of our conversation about One Direction. And thanks for joining us on Name Three Songs. Until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And you're never too cool to listen to Harry Styles. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. It really helps. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we reference in this episode, you can visit Name3Songs.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. 
Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.